Turn with me to uh, Psalm 23, the famous Psalm 23. This uh, psalm has a lot of significance to so many people. It's one of the most memorable, one of the most famous psalms that we have. And if you're joining us online or, or in the building, we are in the second week of a study through the book of Psalms. We're, we're going to be reading through the book of Psalms throughout the course of the summer, through these 90 days in the summer. And last week I talked about how Psalms is, the Psalms were ancient poetry, over 3,000 years old, uh, that were set to music. And that music has a way of, of penetrating our hearts and our minds and saturating us and filling us up. And, um, and I believe that as we read the Psalms over the next 90 days, that God wants to fill your heart. He wants to fill your mind with the word of God. And last week we talked about the promises of God, that if you meditate on God's word, he promises, he has promises for your life. If you missed last week, I encourage you to listen to it. But this Psalm uh, has special significance to me and maybe some of you as well. But when I was, a, when I was in my junior year of college, I had I'd taken a break. I, I had been pursuing civil engineering for two years. I, I left high school, and I thought I was good at math, and I thought I was good at science. And so <laughs> I went to OSU for a year and pursued civil engineering, and I came back uh, home to a community college and continued my pursuit and just my general credits towards civil engineering. And, and it was around that time that I just, I knew that God was calling me into ministry. I was feeling miserable. And so uh, I knew that, uh, that worship was on my life and that was a gift that maybe God wanted me to, to exercise and to, and to learn more about. And so I went to Bethel Church in California, Redding, California. And I, um, the, my, my, my goal, my entire goal was to get onto the worship team as fast as I could because worship is what I wanted to do. And so I wanted to get onto the worship team, and they had, you know, uh, they had a, a worship team for every school year. So all the first-year students had their own worship teams. Second-year students had their own worship teams. So I was auditioning for the first-year worship teams. And uh, I come into the, uh, the in-person audition, and there's probably 200 other people auditioning as, auditioning as well. And um, they have, you know, five songs you could choose from, and they let me sing one verse and one chorus, and they said, thank you, that's enough. And they had me leave the stage, and they never called me back. And I didn't get to lead worship while I was there. In fact, kind of, I thought that my, my worship leading ministry ended in that moment, and I was so discouraged. Uh, I, was, I had moved to California away from home. I, I was desperately trying to find a job, but when you're a student who is at school for most of the day, my hours just won't, weren't working out with wherever I tried to apply, and they didn't want to hire a student with, with my hours. And so I, I couldn't get a job, and I started to get worried about uh, being able to provide for myself and to continue my time there in California. And uh, over the course of, of the next couple months, I began to realize that there was a call to pastor people on my life. And I started to enroll, not in the music tracks that they were, were having, but I started to enroll in the, the preaching and in the, uh, and, the, and the pastoring kind of tracks that they have. And um, God really pointed out to me that there was a call to pastor on my life. And I, I remember one day, though, when I, was, I woke up and I was discouraged because the, the rent was coming up and I didn't have the money in the bank and I couldn't get a job. And I thought, man, I'm going to be going home soon because I can't afford to stay here. And one of the pastors called me up onto the stage and had a word for me. And he called me up onto the stage and he said, I see Psalms 23 over your life, that the Lord is leading you beside quiet waters. He wants to restore your soul. He wants this to be a season of rest. He doesn't want you to work. 
He wants you to trust in him and let him, to, he, let him provide for you in this season. And I thought to myself, don't, get, don't work? What is, does he literally not want me to work? Does he literally not want me to make money for myself? Does he really want to provide for me? Well, that word that was spoken over me sank down into my heart, and I trusted the Lord. I said, God, if you want to keep me here, you're going to have to do it because I'm out of options. And over the course of the year, my, uh, my rent miraculously came in from various places. Either family members just wanted to help me out or something like that. And, and then uh, there was a missions trip that was coming up, and we were supposed to go to Israel on a missions trip. And it, the cost was like 3600 bucks, and I didn't have the money to pay for it. But I applied for it in faith, saying, God, you know, you called me here. You wanted me here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just reach for the stars and try to go to Israel. And so I, uh, two days before our trip finances were due, all $3,600 dropped into my account by some anonymous donor. I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea who put $3,600 in my school account so that I could go on this trip. And that word that was spoken over me, that the Lord wanted me to rest, that he wanted to be my sustainer and, and my provider and lead me besides quiet waters and restore my soul. I began to think that that season at Bethel was the, only, was, was the season he was talking about. But, but as, I've, as I've continued in life, as I left the school, as I got married, as I've had children, I look back at the track record that God has in my life and I see that he has always provided for me. He has always sustained me. I have never been in lack. I've, 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 the Lord has always provided. He's always been faithful. And so when I look to my future and I go, what, how does this add up? How is this going to work? The Lord constantly reminds me, have I been faithful to you in the past? What makes you think that I'm going to stop now? And what I started to realize was that it wasn't just for that season that God wanted uh, to give me a season of rest and renewal, but the Lord is calling all of his believers, all of his followers. He wants us to live in a constant state of rest and renewal. How is that possible? How can we live in a constant state of rest and renewal when we're faced with all sorts of, of troubles, financial troubles, relational troubles, you know, troubles with whatever, with the government, with our state, with, our, with, with people around us? How, how can I live in a constant state of rest and renewal? Well, Psalms 23 gives us the answer to that. Because in Psalm 23, this, this chapter in the book of Psalms is about the presence of God. We can rest and we can be renewed constantly in our life because the Lord is with us. And when we stick with the Lord and his presence fills our life, we are continuously rested and continuously renewed. The truth is, is that God wants all of his people to be rested and renewed in every season. And he's coming along for the journey. When you read Psalm 23, do you, do you see that Psalm 23 is a pilgrimage? It's a journey. That, that, that we have God as our shepherd and he's leading us besides quiet waters. And then, and then we're also led through a valley of the shadow of death. And it eventually leads to this banquet, this feast that we have in the presence of our enemies. Psalms 23 is this journey. It's this pilgrimage, and it really represents our lives, doesn't it? That we come to these seasons of life where we're resting besides quiet waters, and, and we're experiencing the joy and the, and the peace of the Lord, but then we also go through seasons, don't we, where it feels like we're in the valley of the shadow of death, and it feels like everything is coming against us, and we're weighed down. And this, this journey that we take, what we notice as we read Psalm 23, we're going to read it together here in a moment, 
what we notice is that in every season of our life, God is leading us. He's with us. He's walking beside us, and we can take joy in that. God is present in each of these scenes. There's three scenes that we're going to talk about uh, today as we read Psalm 23. It's the still waters where God is revealed as a, a, as a caring shepherd. It's the valley of the shadow of death where God is revealed as a protective guide. And it's also this banquet, this feast in front of, the, in front of our enemies where God is revealed as this gracious host. And in each of these three scenes, God is present. So let's read Psalm 23 together. Let's put it up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first image that we have of the Lord in this chapter is the Lord is my caring shepherd. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The Lord is my caring shepherd. Who better to write a psalm about shepherding than David, right? David was a shepherd before he became king of Israel, and it is a shepherd's job to protect the sheep from wild animals and to lead them to water and to healthy grass and fields so that they can be sustained and nourished. And here's the lesson that we can learn from God being our caring shepherd. We can learn this, that I can trust God to provide for me. I can trust God to provide for me. God's provision is personal. God's provision is per personal. The psalmist writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He is, is, is personal to me. I, I have a relationship with my shepherd. I have a relationship with my Lord. The God of the universe is your personal caregiver is your personal provider. He knows exactly what you need. Every want, every detail is accounted for. And God doesn't follow the beggars can be choosers mentality like most of us do. He, 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 he provides in ways that are personal because he sees our hearts. You know, most of us, we, we have this beggars can't be choosers mentality where it's like, well, you know, like you're in need, so you're just gonna be happy with what I give you. Whatever that looks like, just be content with whatever. You're not in the place to ask for specifics, right? You're not in the place to ask for personal needs, but God is different. His provision is personal. He doesn't follow the beggars can't be choosers. He knows the specific needs in your heart. He knows what you need. In Matthew 6, 26, I love what Jesus said. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? 
God knows your needs. His provision is personal. His provision is also perfect. His provision is perfect. David says that a good shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures and quiet waters. And these green pastures that we see in Psalm 23 probably refer to these tender young shoots that grow up in the morning and they're loved by the wildlife of Palestine. If you, there's these tender green shoots that the, that the wild animals love and the quiet waters probably refer to a wellspring of fresh water. The psalmist wants us to understand that the shepherd goes all out for his sheep, that his provision is all nourishing, it's all sustaining, it's perfect. The shepherd provides perfectly. Some of us, we have deep struggles with our present financial situation, our job situation, and other things in our life, but we need to come to grips with the truth that as we seek God, we're not getting the second best from God. He doesn't give us his second best. He's a faithful shepherd to give us only what is excellent according to his own purpose and his agenda. And can you trust him for that? Can you trust that God's provision is perfect in your life? My wife and I, when we first got married, we had one car, and it was, I think I told this story maybe when I first got here, but I'm going to tell it again because it's, it's a story of God's provision, but I had this old, uh, this Toyota Echo that was on its way out, it had close to 300,000 miles on it, and it, it, it sometimes would struggle starting in the morning, and, and we, uh, we needed a car. We didn't have money to get an extra car, and, and um, I'm, you know, I'm telling the wrong story. There's, there's multiple stories of provision, but I'll tell, I'm telling, I started the wrong story. So the, the, I can tell that story later. It's another story of God's provision. But the, for this, this story, uh, it was the day after Easter, and my car had broke down. I was in front of my office building, and the car wouldn't start. And uh, I, I, I uh, now I'm getting my stories mixed up. I'm there, my car wouldn't start, and I had to, take, I had to get it towed into the, the mechanic's shop. And uh, he gave me a quote. Well, let me back up. A week before all of this happened, uh, a random person at church walked up to me and gave me an envelope with $500 cash in it. And he said, hey, somebody wanted me to give this to you, but they didn't want me to tell you who they were. So this is just from the Lord. And I opened up the, the envelope, and there's $500 cash in this envelope. And I was like, sweet. And I put, it, put the cash in my wallet. And I was like, praise God, thank you. Well, a week later, my car breaks down. I have it towed to the mechanic. And, uh, and he, after, after the, the cost of the, the tow truck bringing it to the shop, and after the mechanic gives me his quote, guess what the total came out to? $499. I still had the cash in my wallet. And I give him $500, and he gives me a dollar, a dollar back and change. And the Lord spoke to me as he gives me this dollar back. And he says, see, I provide with even enough to spare. Go get yourself a cup of coffee. And I was, like, I was like, Lord, your provision is perfect. You knew, exactly, you knew exactly what I would need. He gives me $500 a week later. It cost me $500 to fix my car. The Lord, his provision is perfect. Listen to what Paul said the good shepherd has done for his people. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, will he not then along with him graciously give us all things? If God didn't spare his son, if he didn't withhold Jesus from us, from paying the ultimate price to bring, to bring us into closer relationship with God, would God not give us, would he not pro provide for us? Would he not fill us up? His provision 
is personal. His provision is perfect, but his provision also renews and it satisfies us. David is saying that his provision as a shepherd revives and strengthens the sheep. Whether it's physical needs, whether it's spiritual needs, it revives us and rebuilds us. Ultimately, it strengthens our trust in God and enlivens our spiritual sensitivities towards him. It it satisfies our longing to receive from his hand. See, when the Lord provides for you once, when the Lord shows up in your life and, and, and provides for you miraculously, you do not have permission to think that he won't do it again. When he is good to you and he shows you that he is your compassionate Caring shepherd, you don't have permission to think any other way. As followers of Jesus, we trust in our shepherd. We trust in our Lord to provide for us. And that is supposed to be our default mentality. That if I belong to Jesus, God's going to take care of it. Right? But how often do we default to worry and anxiety? And I don't have it. The money's not in the bank. I don't know how we're going to afford this. I don't know how this is going to work out. So often when I go down that road, the Lord has to stop me and say, hey, hey, wait, wait, look at your life. Have I ever not provided for you? Have I ever not sustained you? And I go, Lord, no, you've always been there. And the Lord says, then why do you think I'm going to stop now? I'm not going to stop now. The Lord is our caring shepherd. The second scene that we see as we read Psalm 23 is the Lord is my protective guide. He's my guide. And the the lesson that we can learn from this is I can trust God to lead me. I can trust him to lead me. Here's a few things about God's leadership. Is God leads us the right way. The term paths of righteousness that we see in this chapter, it it simply means that God is going to lead you in the right direction. He's going to get you where you need to go. One of my greatest fears in life is that I will be doing something that God didn't ask me to do. And I I ask God, am I doing what you've called me to do? Did you really call me to Afreda? Did you really call me to be a pastor? God, am I going the direction that you want me to go? And I I worry about leading my own life in the wrong direction in a a way that that is farther from God's blessing, in a way uh, that is farther from what God has for my life. But if I trust in the Lord, if he is my guide, he is always going to lead you in the direction that you need to go. You have to believe that he has placed your feet right now where they need to be. The people that are in your life, he has got them there on purpose. You are in the right place. He is leading you in the right direction. The truth is, is if I belong to Jesus, then I can trust that he is leading me where I need to be. Here's another thing about God's leadership. is he leads us, the Bible says, for his namesake. He leads us for his namesake. Think about it this way. God has a reputation to uphold. He does. He has a reputation to uphold. And what kind of reputation would God earn for himself if he were careless with those who belong to him? God's name is is on the line in your life. He wants to show the world that he's faithful to provide for all your needs and guide you in righteous paths. In a holy life. God, God did this with, with Israel. When the Lord became angry with his people after they built this golden, this golden calf and, and the Lord's anger raged. He said, that's it, I'm going to destroy these people. I'm going I'm to wipe them out. And what did Moses do? Moses said, God, wait, wait. 
if you do that, then everybody is going to say that you led your people out of Egypt only to kill them in the desert. What would that say about your name? What would that say about your reputation? And the Lord said, Moses, you're right. And he changed his mind. God has a reputation to uphold. He wants to show the world through caring for you and providing for you. He wants to show the world a testimony of your life. That those who belong to him, that those who cling to him and trust him as their guide and as their shepherd, he is going to provide for them. He is going to lead them. And that will be a witness to the rest of the world. That will be a testimony to the rest of the world. God leads us the right way. God leads us for his namesake. And God leads us to protect us. He leads us to protect us. If you've noticed in, in, in the first couple of verses of Psalm 23, it says that he leads me besides quiet waters. He leads me to green pastures. And even at the end in verses five and six, that he's, he's, uh, he's sitting with us at a banquet table. He's, he's hosting us at a banquet table. But what is God doing when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? He's walking with us. He's walking with us. He, he wants us to lie down in green pastures. He wants us to be still besides quiet waters. He wants us to sit at the banquet table in the presence of our enemies. But when we walk through the valley, we keep going. It is not a place to stop. It is not a place to lie down in. The Lord wants you to get up and keep walking through the valley. Don't stop there. Don't, don't get consumed with the grief of the valley or the depression or the darkness of the valley. The Lord wants to lead you through the valley. He grabs you by the hand and he says, walk with me. I'm going to get you through this. I know it seems dark. I know it seems hopeless. I know it seems like there's no way out, but if you hold my hand, I will walk you through this valley. And on the other side is a banquet feast waiting for you. I have quiet waters. I have things, I, I wanna renew you. I wanna restore your soul. Don't, do not stop in the valley of darkness, but allow the Lord to walk with you, to continue moving forward when you're in the valley. The Lord is seen as a caring shepherd. He is a protective guide. And lastly, in verses five and six, we see the Lord as this gracious host. And the lesson that we learn from this is I can rejoice in God's goodness Rejoice. I can rejoice in God's goodness. I rejoice in the midst of chaos. Notice that God doesn't celebrate with us when the trouble is over. God doesn't celebrate with us when everything is fine. He celebrates with us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of trouble. He celebrates with us when everything is going wrong. I can rejoice with the Lord in the midst of chaos. Why? Because he's with me. I have the presence of God with me even in the midst of chaos. So I can rejoice in it. I rejoice because God spares no blessing. David writes in Psalm 23, my cup overflows. And this, this cup is this, it's a symbol of, of wine. And wine uh, in the Bible represents favor or abundance, and David's cup is overflowing. I rejoice because God spares no blessing. He, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold back from his people. You know, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit because 
throughout this chapter, there are, there are certain um, elements that we see throughout this chapter. The first thing that we see in Psalm 23 is water. We see water, and oftentimes in the Bible, water refers to the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So we see water. We see the rod and the staff. They comfort me. Did you know comfort is one of the primary roles, ministries of the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter. He's there to comfort you. We see, uh, you anoint my head with oil. And in the Bible, oil refers to joy and anointing. It's another ministry of the Holy Spirit that when your head is anointed with oil, the Holy Spirit, it's it, joy and anointing is a, is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's why, you know, Samuel, when he went to anoint David as king, he poured oil over his head. And when a king was anointed, uh, appointed to be king of Israel, uh, the, the prophet would come and he would pour oil over his head. And then lastly, we see wine, which I said before represents favor and abundance. All of these are ministries of the Holy Spirit that we have access to today. I used to think that as I read the Gospels and I see Jesus performing miracles and, and, and doing these great things, feeding 5,000, you know, we think, we think to ourselves sometimes, well, he had the presence of God. He was God. He had, he had a varsity version of the Holy Spirit, and we've got the junior varsity version. There's no JV version of the Holy Spirit, church. The, God spares no blessing. The same Holy Spirit that lived inside Jesus lives in you. The same Holy Spirit, the same power lives in you. He spares no blessing. The Bible says that it, how, how much more, if a father, if a son comes to his father and asks him for bread, would the father give him stone? And, and, and if, he, if, he, if the son asks for something, would the father give him a scorpion? No, if, and the Bible says that if an earthly father can give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father pour out the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? Church, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It's not something that, that, is, that, that, that we experience once and then we look back on years later and we remember uh, being that, that experience of, of baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it's something that, that is renewed inside of us all the time. And we go through life and we say, Lord, I need some more joy. I need another anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, would you fall on me once again in fresh power. Show me once again what you are doing in the world and in my life. And the Holy Spirit comes again in power and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. I can rejoice because God spares no blessing. The same Holy Spirit that lived inside of Jesus is living in you. And lastly, I rejoice because I have constant fellowship with him. I rejoice because I have constant fellowship with the Lord. It says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think about how much I need the Lord in my life, and I, I forget that I have access to his presence. That when I'm when my kids are acting up and I have little patience, that's a moment for me to access my, my fellowship with the Lord. Lord, teach me to be a father like you would be a father. When I'm fighting with my wife, that never happens, by the way. We never fight. We never, we never have disagreements. Well, yeah. Don't ask her, though. <laughs> you know, 
it's in those moments that I realize I need fellowship with the Lord. And this is the value of these 90 days that we're spending in the Psalms, is that when I fill my heart with the word of God in the morning, I feel recharged, I feel renewed, I feel more patient. It's like the Lord deposits something in your heart. The Lord deposits his word in your heart that can be accessed later in the day. And I just, I just remember thinking, uh, I, I went to, um, this last week I was in Wyoming with my former pastor, and uh, we were at the base of the Rocky Mountains, and we went fly fishing on the Green River, and, and I was reading Psalm 23 and just picturing these quiet waters that the Lord is leading me to. And, and then we started hiking up this mountain, and, and he says, he said, what, what, if, what if a bear comes out? We don't have any guns or anything. What if a bear comes out? I mean, we're in, we're in like lower Yellowstone at this point and stuff. So he's like, what if we see a bear or something or a cougar? And the Lord just reminded me of Psalm 23 that he is watching over me. He's guiding me. He's leading me. And so I don't have to worry. When you fill your heart with the word of God every morning or every day, you have a deposit that you can use later on. I wanted to end with a song. It's a new song maybe for some of you. But it's all about Psalm, Psalm 23, and what I love as we go through the Psalms is, is as I'm reading Scripture, I'm reminded of, of um, all these different worship songs that have been written. And, and I, I'll read Scripture, and I'll go, wow, I didn't know that that was in the Bible. I know that song that we always sing at church, but wow, that came directly from Psalm whatever it is. And so we're going to sing this, this psalm together. Psalm 23, would you stand with me?